Again, good morning. It is uh, great to be here with you this morning. If you're visiting today, um, welcome. It is good to have you here today. Uh, Pastor Mike asked me if I would uh, share this morning on this topic of joy, and it's an honor to do that. I'm glad to be with you this morning. I Last weekend, I was in uh, Los Angeles. My daughter lives in Los Angeles, my youngest, and so we got to go down and visit her in L.A. last week. And one of those days while we were down in Los Angeles, uh, we got to go to the happiest place on earth. How many of you are big Disneyland fans? You love Disneyland. Well, what's wrong with the rest of you? What's the deal? No, I'm sorry. Um, it's, uh, it's known, of course, as the happiest place on earth. Disneyland is just this place where... <laughs> See? Um, it's this place where everything, you know, it's in Los Angeles, it's sunny, you know, you walk into Disneyland, everything's perfectly manicured, the people are all smiling, you know, there's all this stuff for your entertainment and enjoyment, uh, you know, it's colorful, it's just all of these elements, and it's Christmas season, so we're there, and everything is decorated for Christmas, it's just it's just stunningly beautiful, and, it's, and, and you know that it's called the happiest place on earth, so you sort of psych yourself up, all getting ready to go to Disneyland. You're excited to go because you know you, when you go, you're going to be in the happiest place on earth, so you better have a good time uh, because you're in that happiest place on earth. So we went, we uh, took my wife and my daughter, and uh, we go in there. We did, you know, Space Mountain first, of course, and then... Um, we did Splash Mountain, we did Star Tours, we did the Matterhorn, we did, uh, well, you know, all of, the, all of the rides. We did, we did a bunch of them. And um, then on the way to It's a Small World, which was my request, uh, you know, which is all decked out in Christmas, on the way there, there's Kitty Land. I think it's still called Kitty Land. And in Kitty Land, there are the teacups. So we decided to go on the teacups. And when, I, when we were going on the teacups... I was going in and I was, you know, I was determined that we were not spinning those teacups. We're just going to ride in them and have a gentle, nice ride on the teacups with all of the other nine-year-olds. And um, so, so we get in there and then I decide just something happened inside of me as I got on the teacups and that handle was in front of me and I thought, I'm spinning this baby as fast as I can. So I'm spinning this thing as hard as I can. And I'm, you know, it's, it's all I can do to just maintain, you know, composure as I'm spinning this thing. My daughter, she has her phone. She's just taking a picture like that. I had no idea she was taking this picture. But you can see the, the sheer happiness that I was going through as we spun around. Now, when I got out of the teacups, <laughs> the teacups actually had to stop. And I got out and it was everything in my power to just make it to the exit. Somebody had to sort of point me to the exit, and I had to sort of navigate my way to the exit, which reminded me of the previous time we had been to Disneyland with my wife and my daughter and my son, one of my sons. And this, that particular time, we went to California Adventure. California Adventure is just right next to Disneyland. You can go to one or the other. And, and so we were at California Adventure, and there's a ride at California Adventure called California Screamin'. Anybody ever been on California Screamin'? It's a roller coaster. It's a great roller coaster. It's fast, and you go upside down, and you spin around and stuff. It's great, like, it's, it's a great roller coaster. My wife is a crazy person. 
She, she was here. I love her, but she's crazy. She can go on that thing over and over and over. And like one after, she'll just be like, okay, let's do it again. Let's go again, again. So we went on that a couple times. And I, after a couple of times of that, I was like, okay, let's do something a little mellower. So there's also a big ride at California Adventure, the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel. There's the Mickey Mouse. I thought, how hard can the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel be? So we go to the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel. We ride in the Mickey Mouse there it is. We ride in the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel. When I get off of the Mickey Mouse, I started to feel a little sick on the Mickey Mouse. Because, you know, I was doing the whole Disneyland thing. You eat all of the stuff, that the happiest stuff on earth there, like the big turkey leg and all of that. So I was not feeling particularly great about halfway through the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel. Now, remember, I'd been on California screaming. So I get off the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel with my family, and I'm like... I, you know, I start going to cold sweats, I start feeling dizzy, uh, you know, I think all of the things that I took down were not going to stay down, and so I decided I need to lay down for just a second, just give me a minute, so I'm literally laying on the bench in California Adventure, just trying to regain my composure, and a worker comes over and they say, is he going to be okay, my family, my kids are standing there, is he going to be okay, and they said to him, they said to her, yeah, he just went on the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel. <laughs> I was like, come on, at least tell him I went on California screaming. <laughs> Disneyland is fantastic, and it's fun, and the experience uh, can make you certainly happy. But you know what? It's not always a lasting happiness. <laughs> I, you know, some people can go for days. They, go, they get there when it opens, and they stay till it closes, and they just go day after day. I get there like 1 o'clock. I go to like 6.30. I'm good. I'm happy as can be. But that, <laughs> that, that, that experience, it's great and it's fun, but it is not laughed. And, and the thing is, you leave Disneyland, you leave Disneyland behind you. You can't take Disneyland with you. You could take it in your memories and stuff, but you don't take Disneyland, like you can't go and then build Disneyland in your backyard. You just, you, it's a great experience, but it's all dependent on the environment and the circumstances and the experiences that you're going to have. And it's great. I think happiness is great. God loves us to have happy experiences. But today we're talking about joy. And joy, while happiness is a part of it, joy is something deeper. Joy is something more lasting. Uh, joy is something more substantial. And the, and the first Christmas story that we will think about this morning is, is a story filled with joy. Uh, in fact, when, uh, you know, even before Jesus, Mary and Joseph and Jesus are seen, there's the story of John the Baptist who's going to be born to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And, 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 and Elizabeth is told he's going to be a source of great delight and he's going to be a source of great joy. But the, but the, but the beautiful sort of pinnacle story of Christmas is in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I'd like us just to look at this this morning Luke 2, starting at verse 1, uh, reading through verse 11, and it says this, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him 
and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, <clears throat> and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the Christmas story. And to the shepherds, the angel said, it will be good news that will cause great joy. Good news, that word good news is where we get our word, the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. And the angel said that 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 good news is going to cause great joy. So today we unwrap the gift of joy. Joy is a hard word to define. If I ask, how, do you def- how would you define joy? In fact, I, I did a Facebook post and I said, give me your best definition of joy. And I got some fantastic definitions of joy in that post. And, and some people shared a, a, you know, their definition. Some people shared experiences that were uh, the way they express their joy when they have these certain experiences. And it's a, it's a hard thing to catch just in words. But I'm going to give my best attempt this morning based on what I see in Scripture. And, and um, this will be a, an aspect of joy that hopefully will resonate this morning with you as we look at God's Word. So, so what is joy? Here's what I believe joy is. Joy is a spirit-born, happy response of the soul to the presence of Jesus and to the reality that this is not the end. Joy is a spirit-born, happy response of the soul to the presence of Jesus and to the reality that this is not the end of the story. Let's, let's take the first part of that definition. Joy is a spirit-born, happy response of our soul. Spirit-born. We can't make joy happen. No matter how we try, no matter what we do, no matter what we surround ourselves, you know, with, we can't make joy happen. We can do happy motions, you know, we can jump up and down, we can dance, we can leap, uh, but we can't make joy happen. We can't fake joy. You just can't fake joy. You have joy or you don't have joy, but you can't fake it. Sometimes we can put on a face, right? We can look like maybe we're joyful or we can look like we're happy, but you can't really fake joy. Joy isn't really a decision. It's a Holy Spirit-born response. It's not of our body. It's not of our mind. It's a response of our soul. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, it says this is, this, is, this is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and goes on, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's born by the Spirit. We can't, you know, squeeze it out, squeeze out joy by our effort. It is born of the Spirit of God in us. In the book of Luke chapter 10, there's a story there where G- Jesus sends out His uh, followers and He says, I want you to go and minister to the people. And they go out and they minister. They come back and they're telling reports of how people have been healed and how people have been set free from uh, demonic oppression and things like that which is a great story, but Jesus makes this interesting 
uh, a statement back to them. And he says in Luke 10, verses 20 and 21, verse 20 says, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That the starting point of our joy, of our finding joy, of our expressing joy, of our experiencing joy, the very starting point is this fact that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the starting point of joy. Uh, Outside of that relationship with Jesus, we will not really find true joy because it is born of the Spirit and the Spirit is given us by Jesus. So, So it says, you can rejoice at all kinds of things, but really rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It goes on in verse 21 and says, at that time Jesus, interestingly says, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. So even Jesus, in His humanity, the, the, the joy came as a result or born by the power of the Holy Spirit of God working through Jesus. So you might say, well, Chris, you say you can't make joy happen, you can't fake joy, uh, you can't do it on your own. If you can't make it happen, how do I have joy? That's a great question. In fact, that's the question, right? That's the thing that we will uh, try to consider here in the next few minutes. Listen, while feelings are not a rational decision, that's true, right? Feelings are not always a rational decision. Does everybody agree with me on that? Feel, things we feel, we feel, but they're not always rational. So while feelings are not a rational decision, the Bible does assign a rightness and a wrongness to some feelings. It's just, it's just true. The Bible does assign a rightness and wrongness to some feelings. It tells us, the Bible does, to be joyful. The Bible tells us to be tender-hearted. It tells us to do that. And, and uh, a story in Scripture, in the Gospels, it says that when a terrible storm suddenly came up on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples were in a boat, right, and, and they were fearing for their life, they didn't stop and pause and look and say, okay, i got to measure these waves. How big are the waves? You know, how, how, how great is this storm? I, I, and they didn't say, i got to calculate the odds of my surviving this. And then once they calculated all of that, say, you know what? Our response should be, now we should be afraid. It, it was not that kind of thing. It's just that they were afraid for their lives and they had fear. But when they had fear, what did Jesus say to them? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. His expectation was that they didn't, have to, they didn't have to have fear. In fact, Scripture tells us not to worry. Scripture tells us not to be anxious. Sometimes we're just, we just worry, and sometimes we're anxious. The Scripture tells us not to do that. The Bible, here's the thing that's, that's, that's sometimes challenging for me. The Bible requires things of me that I cannot produce of my own power. The Bible requires things out of me that I cannot produce of my own power. I am fallen. I am weak. And um, I am in need. And that is why we need Jesus to be able to do the very things that Scripture tells us we can and have the ability to do. But not on our own strength, but because of Jesus with us. Jesus comes uh, through His death and resurrection uh, he provides us an opportunity to be his followers, to be saved, to be his children. Uh, and then 
when we, when we follow him, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what does he give us? He gives us his Holy Spirit. He says, listen, I've been with you, but I'm going to give you one who's not only going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. And that is my spirit. So he then, when we come, in, come to Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit to live within us. And since joy is born of the Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit of God in us, that is why we have the capacity now for joy. It is because of Jesus. That's part of the good news of a great joy. I'm going to pause here for just a second. You've been seeing some stories from people in the church. You have one this morning, a couple of young ladies who are a part of our church here, Monica and Rachel, who are going to share just their, a little bit of their testimony uh, of how God is working in their life and how joy relates to that. So give a listen. I really thought about joy before Jesus. (laughs) I, yeah, I just thought of like happiness more of like, oh, like I'm having a really good day and like these circumstances are lining up or like, you know, things aren't too bad. (laughs) That's what I thought was like the best. (laughs) Before I really encountered God, um, well, like after Australia, I was just so devastated. I was Like I had the PTSD and the anxiety and the agoraphobia and the depression. That really robs you of of any sense of peace or joy or ability to like feel good about anything. I think there's always like a deep sadness that I have within me, like a deep loneliness and, and longing for connection that I never felt like could be quenched. So I kind of bounced around when I'd be in places that were supposed to be happy I would always feel like I wasn't fully present in the moment I always felt like I was removed or excluded or on the outside or like looking through the glass into other people's lives I mean I'd, I've always had God in my life but it's like when I really first like saw God show up in huge ways I had this hope, this spark of hope, and it was kind of like the way dawn happens, like no longer nighttime, but daytime. And it was like my whole life got flooded with light. So God brought me Rachel, and then I moved here because, not not just because she was here, obviously there's other reasons why I moved here, but I think just like us going to church together, us going to other groups, young adult groups together. That was my big God encounter where God just infused me with love every time I went to a service and I was overwhelmed by that and I didn't know, I had never known that before. Just knowing that people love me for me helps me be comfortable and in that comfort and security and safety, I can just burst forth and express myself and in that expression is in God's joy. I think before God and before Monica moving here, I I don't think that if you had asked me randomly when was the last time I laughed, I could actually genuinely tell you the answer. I think that it would go so many, such a long drought. Um, 
that I couldn't actually remember when I last laughed and now I laugh on a daily basis. Um, I sometimes feel a little crazy because I'm like, who, like no one understands why I'm laughing but it's like me and God are having a moment and and we're, I'm praying or God's talking to me about something and I just like, I have this love and this joy that just overflows that I can't contain it so I start giggling and laughing and I think that's like the point, you know, like God is really fun and wanting to interact with us and the more we invite God in, the more fun we get to have. God definitely helps me just live the life that I want because the life I want is adventurous and crazy and you, and like I fall down and I get bruises and bumps and like twists and turns and my boat flips over or, or has holes in it or like, I don't know, things happen, but like God just helps me see and like live, live the, my life to my fullest as like I've always wanted to, but I was too afraid to do that. If we're only inviting God in when we're in despair and when we're sad and when we're panicked and we're anxious or worried about things, then, then we start to associate that with God. I find that when I invite God into every area, um, I find that the joy is in everything. And he's always able to like redeem the situations and bring in the good and bring in the, the playfulness and the laughter and um, to make me smile when I just want to cry and, um, and then I cry too. Life with Jesus it's joyful and it has all the fruits of the spirit but it, it's also scary and messy and just like stretching you past the point where like you didn't even know you could go which is like scary but also liberating I've had more joy here in Washington with these people in this community than I've ever had because I'm actually connected to people because I have these rich deep conversations and I get to do life with people I get to show up with pies I get to like give people bread I get to like love on them and love their kids and and to be with them through through the, the ups and downs and and that for me has been like the biggest blessing and the best part of just the whole journey Community is integral to, to joy. Thank you to Monica and Rachel uh, for doing that, for Pastor Andrew for putting that together uh, this morning. And um, I just love that picture, that understanding that uh, their joy came as they connected to God. It's a spirit-born response. So if it's the spirit-born response, happy response of our soul, what, are, what is it that we're responding to? Uh, joy is a spirit-born happy response of our soul to the presence of Jesus. Uh, in the, in the um, Christmas story, as you begin reading that Christmas story, there's a time when Elizabeth, pregnant with John the Baptist, uh, is there and, and Mary walks into the room. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And as Mary walks into the room pregnant with Jesus and sees Elizabeth pregnant with John, the scripture says that John leapt for joy in Elizabeth's womb. That at the, at the presence of Jesus, there was joy, even in yet unborn John. And see, what happens is, is when, we, when we have Jesus with us, where we carry him into the room, we carry joy into that room. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just uh, a little bit, but... There's joy at the presence of Jesus. The, the, the story said, good news of a great joy for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, Jesus was there. The reason there was joy is because now Jesus was here and Jesus 
is the nat- joy is the natural response to the presence of Jesus. Psalm 1611 says it this way, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, that at the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, we find our joy. Why is that? It's because when we recognize the presence of Jesus with us, there's something that happens to us. We start to gain confidence when Jesus is with us, right? There's nothing we can't overcome when Jesus is with us. We have peace when, G- when we recognize that Jesus is with us. We have His love when Jesus is with us. And when Jesus is with us, we begin to recognize who He sees that we are. And sometimes we have all of these voices telling us that what, we, what we aren't and what we can't do. And how, but when Jesus is with us and God sees us through the lens of Jesus and His sacrifice, we're reminded of how God sees us, that He loves us, that He believes in us. And in that, there's joy. There's an amazing joy in being around somebody who really believes in us. I mean, if you've ever been around somebody, they believe in you more than you believe in you. And they're just like, there's just a joy that comes with that. And there's a confidence that rises up in that. And we believe that in those who believe that we have capacity beyond what we even believe that we have. And that's who Jesus is. And, and, And what's really powerful is that Jesus says this. He says, lo, I am with you how often? And lo, I am with you always. He says, I will never leave you and forsake you. So if joy is a response to the presence of Jesus, and Jesus says He is with us always, how frequently can we have joy? Always. That it is always available to us according to God's Word. And I love that truth. The the reason that we can have an abiding joy is because we have an abiding Savior. Another beautiful truth about, a part of the truth about the fact that joy is a response to the presence of Jesus is this, that because Jesus is with us always, we are joy bringers. We can be people who are joy bringers. You heard it in Rachel's story. She said community is integral to joy. And the reason for that is when we get around people, so when we talk about joy being a response to the presence of Jesus, when we get around people who have Jesus in their life, we begin to recognize that joy again when we need it. And when we are people who are carrying Jesus with us or are walking with Jesus, you know, I, I, think about, I think about Mary and Joseph, right? I think about Mary and Joseph. Here's this young couple. Uh, they were hiding, you know, because Mary's pregnant and they weren't married yet. So they were going through all that turmoil, you know, this young couple. Uh, they go to, to Bethlehem because they're responding to a census so they could be taxed appropriately. Not the greatest of, you know, occasions that they're going to. Uh, here come the, the shepherds. Shepherds are the low, one of the lowest classes in that day of people because they were considered to be unclean. They're dealing with the animals. And they wound, wind up, you know, Mary and Joseph don't have enough money or enough contacts in that town to even have a place to stay. So they wind up in this stable. Jesus is born in a manger. All of these circumstances that would not naturally lend themselves to joy. But you look around any you know, neighborhood or community, you go inside houses and you find on mantles and in front yards, you know, uh, pictures of Mary and Joseph and images of the shepherds and, and the stable and, and, and all of it now is, is this beauty in it. And the reason is because they brought us Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus is where we find our joy. 
I love this, this reality because when we have Jesus in our life, if we are Jesus bringers, we are joy bringers. So wherever you go, you, t- you, you have Jesus with you, you should be bringing joy. Let, let me get you this last part of this definition. Jo- joy is a spirit-born, happy response of our soul to the presence of Jesus and to the reality that this is not the end of the story. This is not the... There's some... As I, as I began looking at Scripture, I've been studying joy. There's so many places where joy is connected to difficulty. There's so many places where the definition or the expression of joy is connected to trial and problems. But I also noticed that, that as I began looking at Scripture and looking at how joy is defined, that, that it is very closely related to this sense of confident expectancy that God is about to do something great regardless of what the circumstance that you're in. Luke 2 Tan again says this, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Why did this good news, why did this gospel, why did this coming of Jesus cause such great joy? It's because for, for, for generation after generation, God's people had been waiting for Jesus. And they found themselves in exile, they found themselves uh, in the margins, and marginalized, they... they um, they, they had been enslaved and by one country after another, but they had in the back of their mind this prophecy all the way back to Abraham and all through the prophets that there would be coming one who would set them free, who would give them their freedom, who would, who would give them their liberty, and, and this one would be the Messiah. And now the reason this would be good news that would cause such great joy is because that one that they had been waiting for, that one that had been prophesied was now here so all of the trouble, all of the experiences that they were in, even then, at the, at the time of uh, the angels saying this, they were under Roman rule, they recognized, listen, this is not the end of the story because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Now, it happened differently than they expected, but Jesus was there. As you explore this joy, you recognize that it is not dependent on circumstances. Luke 6, to 24 says this, Blessed are you... When people hate you, that's not a great way to start a passage of Scripture, right? Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you, when they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. It goes on to say, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So hated, insulted, rejected, excluded, Listen, you can still have an abiding joy because you know this is not the end of the story. James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when? Whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, when we face trials, we can still rejoice. We can find joy. Why? Consider it pure joy because you know this is not the end of the story. And here's the thing. It's not just the negative things we are going through that are not the end of the story. There are some beautiful things you're experiencing in your life. Some of you might be in just a season of abundance and blessing and passion and 
You know, you have more money than you know what to do with, and you just, everything is beautiful and wonderful, all your relationships are perfect. You might be in a season like that, which I hope you are, and I'm happy for you if, if you're in that season. You should celebrate that season, but here's the amazing thing about joy, not, that, that even that story, even what you're experiencing now, pales in comparison to the eventual reality of our someday when we will be ultimately with Jesus. It, it's, it just, it's just going to keep getting better. So part of this joy reality is knowing that this is not the end of the story, that all of us in this, on this earth always have a longing for something greater, don't we? And the joy in us is that Jesus has promised us that that's going to be a reality. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully as I am fully known. Listen, we know Him now. That's a beautiful thing. That's a good thing. We know Jesus now. But there's coming a day where we're going to know Him fully as we are known. This is not the end of the story. We experience passion now, but nothing like we will ultimately experience with Jesus. I go up to the hills on a warm summer day and experience a sunset. This is one of my favorite things to do. Experience a sunset from the top of a ridge. And that just takes my breath away. It, it, it just takes my breath away. That's where I find my joy. You know, that's, that's where the experience of joy comes out for me. But listen, I know that even that experience of joy is nothing like what we will experience one day. That even that experience is not the end of the story. It's going to get better. So whatever your, whatever your circumstances are, whether they're good or whether they're bad, this is not the end of the story. So I would just ask you this question. What is your this? What is your this right now in this point, in this moment, in this season of your life? What is your this? Maybe your this is this disappointment. This disappointment is not the end of the story. Maybe your this is a broken relationship. Listen, this broken relationship is not the end of the story. That doesn't have to define your joy. This sickness is not the end of the story. This financial hardship is not the end of the story. This season of waiting that you might find yourself in is not the end of the story. What is your this? Maybe it's a good one. Maybe this season of abundance, embrace it. It's not the end of the story because in Christ, there's even better things ahead for you. This beauty that you might experience as, as much as we should, we should stop and embrace the moment of that. It's still, it's not the end of the story. Joy takes us beyond it. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. I want to just ask you, What's your this? What's your this right now? Maybe just jot it down on something. You know, this frustration I have with my family is not the end of the story. This difficult relationship at work is not the end of the story. Whatever. What is your this? Let me, let me just close with three kind of practical ways to walk in joy. Number one, choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. That when you don't feel joyful, start giving thanks. 
just start thinking about things you can give thanks for. It might take a while to get started, but you know what? When you get started, you start thinking of all the things you have to be thankful for. Choose gratitude. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always. Choose gratitude. Secondly, choose to obey. John 15, 9 to 11 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands. What are his commands? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this. Why? So that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. That if we choose to obey, the more we align ourselves to God's word and to God's ways, the more we avail ourselves of the fruit of joy in our life. Choose to obey. Lastly, choose to abide. It says, if you, as the Father's loved me, I, I have loved you, remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. Abide in Christ. Let's, let's bow in, in a word of prayer this, this morning. Lord, thank you for joy. Not manufactured, not dependent on circumstances. Lord, thank you that we don't have to rush home and build Disneyland in our backyard in order to find it. But thank you for Disneyland. Lord, thank you for circumstances that make us laugh. Thank you for situations that make us happy. We're grateful for those, God. I pray that everybody in this room would laugh more this week than they've laughed in the last year. But God, thank you that our joy is not dependent on that circumstance, but that because your spirit is in us, that we can live in a, in a joy as a response to the presence of Jesus and as to the reality that this is not the end. So Lord, whatever people's this is today, I pray that they would walk in the joy that God, you're bigger than that. That you've got even more ahead. You've got fullness of joy ahead for each person in this room. And I pray they'd experience it like they never have before. 1 Peter chapter 1. In this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have, here it is. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. My prayer is that you would go today in an inexpressible and glorious joy. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.